Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brennan Escott with you in Oilers Now. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. You can keep texting us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Uh, they are open Monday to Saturday. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, the River Cree Resort Casino Excitement Bet on it. And we are pleased to welcome back to the show, there goes the greatest writer that ever lived. At least at one time, that was part of his Twitter handle, Hacks with Hags. He's a, a tremendous guest out of Boston on a day in which a lot of Boston Bruins fans didn't want to see come to fruition. And that was the retirement today announced by Patrice Bergeron. Joe, thank Thank you for joining us during the summer. How are you doing? Bob, what's going on? Always a pleasure, my friend. It's a bittersweet day in Boston. I am absolutely happy for Patrice and uh, Stephanie and uh, their four kids that, you know, he's going to be home a lot more and be able to be way more involved in his kids' uh, activities and lives and the stuff that they're doing. But definitely a sad day for the Bruins that uh, he won't be on the ice anymore because what a pleasure he was to watch, cover, and uh, I, I started covering the Bruins his rookie season, so I've been there his whole career, and it really was a gift to be able to cover then be that up close watching a player like that over the last 20 years. What a, what a once-in-a-generation player he was. All right, so we get to watch him, but you were around him. So maybe explain to our listeners, you know, about the kind of – because the thing that I always saw with Boston was they've been competitive in part because of the character that was uh, there with the likes, you know, Zidane Chara, one of the best uh, – for agent signings of all time, and then Patrice Bergeron. So, they had, you know, a tower of power on the back end, and then they had a guy driving it down the middle. That's the on-ice stuff. But what about the off-ice stuff? And maybe if you can shed some light on that. Yeah, he was the type of person that you would point to, uh, you know, and, and you, you know many people like this, right? Or you're, if you're lucky, you know many people like this. But the kind of person you point to, and when you have kids, you point to them and say, that's what you want to be like as a player, as a person. You know, that that's the type of person you want to be a role model. And it was, obviously, he was an excellent player on the ice. You know, best two-way center of his generation. Uh, the six Selkie trophy speak for itself. First ballot Hall of Famer, won at every level, all that stuff. Like, the accolades are well-deserved and well-earned and, and speak to how good he was as a player. But off the ice, he was uh, he was a unicorn as far as like the leader and person that he was. 
not only around the players because he was, uh, you know, the ultimate teammate. He was the kind of guy that I would always hear from other players, especially when they came to Boston, when they came from somewhere else. They couldn't believe how accessible he was, how sort of uh, perceptive and thoughtful he was. Like, he would notice if another player, like, was having a bad day and we would go up and start talking to them. Even if it was, you know, the 13th forward, the 17th, it didn't matter who they were. You know, he, he genuinely cared about those people and and showed it. It was actions, not just words or anything else. And he was also like that with, you know, team employees, with uh, the, the PR staff, the equipment guys, the training guys, with the media people. He, he actively took an interest in, in our lives and what we were doing and would ask us questions and have conversations with us, too, and sort of reach out if, if something was going on. Uh, you know, the... Those players don't come around that often, and certainly they're not usually the best player on the team, the captain, and that kind of a person on and off the ice as well. And, you know, I, you know I've talked to you before. I have a son that's uh, going to be 10 next month that plays hockey, and his favorite player is Brad Marchand. But you know who he plays like? He plays like Patrice. He's a center. So if he back checks, he does all the right things, and he strives to do that on and off the ice. Why? Because I've pointed out Patrice Bergeron is the role model you want to look up to as a hockey player. And hockey dads have been doing that in Boston for the last 20 years. And I'm sure we'll continue to see hockey players back-checking centers coming out of Boston for the next 20 years because they've all been influenced by him. And that's, you know, that's special when you have a player like that that has that kind of influence both on and off the ice. Well, uh, hopefully, Joe, your son can overcome your genetics and continue to advance on. <laughs> He, he takes after my wife. He's got the Greek side for sure, Bob. He's all right. There we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> as you and me are, are currently very similar in terms of our shape right now. Uh, body <laughs> body composition. That's the term. Here's a question I have for you. So Boston's had all this great success, right? The Patriots, uh, what, what do they win? Seven Super Bowls, six Super Bowls, however many they've won here in the last 23 yep. years. Um, the Celtics are a perennial powerhouse. I, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're conceivably in the mix they had obviously they had Larry Bird back in the day and had some great teams and before that Bill Russell I think they won 10 out of 11 championships but that's well back but still the Celtics are prominent the Red Sox finally got over the hump and have won a few World Series and they've had some ups and downs where would Bergeron rank in terms of the lore of the Boston athlete in a market that is had great success and also tremendous passion for sport as far as the, this generation of Boston sports fans, he's right there alongside Tom Brady and David Ortiz. You know, when you when you talk about this generation's sort of, you know, the face of Boston sports, he was there with Brady and Ortiz. As far as winners, as far as faces of the city, as far as people that represented the city, you know, that's as big as you get in Boston. And he's on the Mount Rushmore of the Boston Bruins. There's no question about that, you know, from an organizational standpoint. And he's gone down, and he will go down, as one of the all-time greats to ever play in Boston in any sport. And, you know, he's for the last five years or so, he's basically been the face of Boston professional sports. You know, he he took that torch from Brady when Brady left and went to Tampa Bay. And, you know, he's been the guy. So, you know, he's as influential as it gets, as important as it gets, as far as that goes in the city of Boston. And it's not just the success, but it's the way he did it. You know, he did it in a way, hardworking, humble, uh, you know, tough, 
great leader, selfless, like all that stuff. All the stuff that Boston sort of prides itself on, he played that way. He played to a T what it's like, uh, what Boston fans want a player to play like and be like, especially a leader and one of their best players. So he was a perfect fit here the last 20 years and, and, be, and just became a face based on who he is, what he does, and just the person that he was. And, you know, it, it, as I said before, like, I covered his first year when he was, you know, peach fuzz, very shy, very unsure of his English, didn't really say much at all, um, you know. And but you, you could tell. I remember when we would ask Mike Sullivan about him when he was 18 years old. He was the youngest guy in the league in 2003-04, what he season. You would every time you would ask Mike Sullivan about him from the beginning of the year all the way through, you would get this like like goofy smile on his face yeah. because Mike Sullivan knew how special and how good he was and knew right away when he was 18 years old, you know, how good he was going to be and the potential that he had. And for that to happen for a guy that was drafted 45th overall in that draft, that loaded 2003 draft, and to go from the shy kid he was from Quebec when he first got here to the guy that he is now, the father of the guy that does commercials, the guy that's you know one of the faces of the NHL, and all the mountaintops that he's climbed as far as winning stuff. It's been amazing to see that transformation over two decades. And you know, the one thing I come away with is it's there's a little sadness that he's not going to be there day in day out going forward with the Bruins because it's going to be different. The culture is going to change without that guy as the center and the leader in there every single day. No question about it. So I, I just did an event with Daryl Sutter uh, about two hours uh, east of Edmonton here. And, you know, the, the Flames finished 16th. Florida finished 17th in the standings overall. Uh, the Florida knocked Boston off in that playoff series. What, what happened? Like, And I know Bergeron only played three games. But did the the Bruins spit the bit there? They spit the bit, but I think there were reasons behind it. You know, certainly there was not enough pushback from the Boston Bruins in that series, especially when Matthew Kachuk started amping up the physicality, started getting in Allmark's face, you know, the different things he was doing. There wasn't enough of an answer from the Bruins when that stuff started happening. But Patrice Bergeron was substantially hurt. You know, he had a herniated disc in his back. Linus Olmark was hurt. Uh, we found out afterwards Hampus Lindholm, who was an absolute zero in that series after being a stud defenseman all year, was hurt and had a broken foot. You know, there was a bunch of guys, and I think partially to blame um, was going for the records at the end. You know, yeah. maybe they pushed too hard to try to get the 65 wins, 135 points, the record-breaking season, and it left them banged up and not with enough in the tank when the playoffs started. You know, maybe they would, those injuries would have happened either way. Who knows? Because they did try to rest their guys down the stretch. But, like, there's a lot of second guesses uh, as far as that kind of stuff and going for the records. And there were injuries to just the key guys. I mean, Bergeron, you could see in Game 7, he was on the ice for the game-tying goal and the game-winning goal in Game 7. And you could see he was maybe 50%. Maybe Couldn't skate. Like, Couldn't skate. No, he was losing battles. He never loses battles. So, like, you know, they... they there was a limit to how much, how far they were going to go either way with Patrice Bergeron. That hurt. So, you know, once he herniated the disc in his back in that last game in Montreal, I think that like really changed the course of what the Bruins were going to do in the playoffs. Uh, you know, but having a one goal lead in the last minute of Game Seven, there's an element of choking too of not being able to close it out. No, no doubt about it. What did you think of the Taylor Hall trade? 
I mean, it made sense to me. You know, I, I think that was a byproduct of the salary cap uh, situation that yep. they were in. They had to go. They had a bunch of roster spots to fill, and basically what they did is they took the cap hit for Taylor Hall, traded away, and signed five guys for the amount of money they were paying Taylor Hall. And just when I got Shattenkirk, Patrick Brown, Milan Lucic, uh, JVR, you know, all these players that are going to fill roster spots and, you know, push the young guys to make them earn it if they're actually going to get roster spots. It's just what they had to do for this year. I think what's smart, though, they know they're only going through one year of salary cap paying, right? Yeah. they got to get through this year, and once they get on the other side, the cap is going up. They have a bunch of contracts that are going to be off the books, and they're going to be fine. So they don't want to trade too many players away and effectively like hurt their long-term uh, you know, for one year of salary cap discomfort. So you know, I guess they, they looked at Taylor Hall as a guy that was expendable, um, and I don't think they're going to try to move anybody else. They, they think they have enough money to sign Frederick and to sign uh, Swayman, and then they were just going into the season uh, with what they have now. All right. Uh, Joe Haggerty joining us. Uh, I thought it was going to be one of Hall or DeBrusque that ended up getting moved. I wondered about St. Louis since they had those late first-rounders. Uh, ultimately, it was Taylor going to Chicago. Jake's in the last year of his deal, and he's he's now a full-time top-six player. Is he one of the guys that benefited the most with the coaching change? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he definitely did. He also benefited with, uh, playing with Patrice Bergeron. There's no question about that, and, and Brad Marchand. But I, I think so. I mean, I think there was a lot of players that benefited from the coaching change. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, Connor Clifton, Brandon Carlo. You know, there's, there's four or five guys. Trent Frederick that really flourished and played well uh, under Bruce, under uh, Jim Montgomery after they were kind of uh, scuffling under Jim Montgomery. So, you know, I, I think, you know, that there was a lot of players, though, it went beyond the young players. I think there were a lot of players that just didn't want to hear the buy what Bruce Cassidy was selling anymore. And it, that's why the move it happens. I think it went well beyond... It happens. It's the public one because he requested the trade, but I think there was a lot more than that going on by the time Cassidy uh, left and Montgomery came in. Uh, would Elias Lindholm next summer make sense for the Boston Bruins? Yes. I, I, if not, you know, them trying to trade for him at some point this year. Yeah. I think if, if they go into the year and they don't do anything at center and Zaka and Coyle are their top two centers and it's really not working, I could see them really putting the pedal to the metal to try to trade for a center like Lindholm that they think they might be able to sign long-term. And, you know, he's, a, he's more of a 200-foot player than some of the other guys. Shifley's another guy that we've heard mentioned. I think Lindholm's a much better fit for them if they need to bring in a veteran. And, you know, like, let's face it, there is zero in the system as far as guys that are going to step up and be the number one franchise center of the future. You know, they have to draft that guy or find that guy. So it's going to be somebody like Lindholm that's a veteran in the league that's going to come in and fill Patrice Bergeron's shoes whenever they finally make that move. Joe, uh, we know you weren't the bad. I know you had some fun on Twitter saying, hey, here's my votes. I want everybody in Edmonton to know. Uh, We know you weren't the bad guy. The bad guy was in Pittsburgh, and what kills me about that is the Oilers played in Pittsburgh once last season. McDavid was the first star, had two goals and four points. I I don't know what the writer was watching that night. Maybe he didn't see him good, uh, but he didn't have him in the top five. But yeah, you you, you know the passion of the Oilers fan base, don't you? I do. And it's funny, that writer, the Pittsburgh writer, actually came up to me at the draft in Nashville and apologized for all the flack I was getting uh, from Edmonton people on uh, social media because they thought it was me. And I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. I love going back and forth with the Oilers fans, uh, the Montreal fans, the Vancouver, like whoever, it's fine. But I I will say the Edmonton Oilers fans, I think, get hopped up 
about the uh, the NHL awards and the voting more than like any other fan base, and rightfully so. Like, look, I had McDavid as my number one. I had McDavid, Pasternak, and Kachuk as the top three. I can't for the life of me see any argument behind putting McDavid as the fifth guy and putting Pasternak as the number one. I don't know what you were watching last year, if that was your vote for the Hart Trophy, but I also don't want to see NHL awards turn into you know, group think where everybody's voting the exact same way. So it's a, it's a tough dilemma as a voter, but I always salute the Edmonton fans and their willingness to dump all over hacks with hags on Twitter. You keep it going. I love it. All right. One final one for you here. So Bergeron ended up winning one cup with the Bruins uh, in 2011. Yep. And as you know, most of Edmonton was cheering for Boston in that series, uh, right? Because it was Vancouver. Connor, yep. it's, it's it's hard to win, isn't it? Like people need to realize a lot's got the last two years. The Oilers have lost to the Stanley Cup champion. Colorado was just better than them. They were close against Vegas. It ain't easy winning, Joe, is it? It isn't. And you know, like part of the argument in Boston the last couple of years has been the legacy of this Boston Bruins team and how they weren't able to get a second cup when they should have. And that's you know. I have to go along with Patrice Bergeron's good and bad in his entire career, which is predominantly good and has predominantly been winning at every level, you know, winning at World Juniors, winning Olympics, winning a Stanley Cup. But also what goes along with that, too, is losing in 2013, granted to a better Chicago Blackhawks team uh, in the Stanley Cup final when Bergeron, oh, by the way, was playing through a punctured lung in that last game. And in 2019, uh, when they lost to the St. Louis Blues, when they had Game Seven on home ice, and yeah. it seemed like uh, the you know the Red Sea had parted for them to win that year, and you know not being able to get a second cup, especially in 2019 when it looked like it could have been their year, that's part of like what's going to happen, what's going to be talked about with Patrice Bergeron's legacy too. And to your point, speaks to just how damn hard it is to win in the league, even if you've got stacked teams that are in the playoffs every single year. Not only do you need to be good, you need to be lucky, you need to have a few breaks, you need to have things go your way. And, you know, that doesn't happen very often. Joe, love having you on the show. Continued success with your son's hockey career. Thank you, Bob. Take care. I'm going to keep uh, I'm going to keep him on the treadmill so he doesn't turn into me someday. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Treadmill. What's that? All right. 122 at Edmonton. I know that when I uh, did the uh, body by Bennett uh, back in the day in like 2007, uh, Chad Drummond, who now does the training for the Oilers, um, he had fun with me. I, I mean, I, I I when I went down there and Simon Bennett was there, and uh, there were some other guys there too that were frankly a little bit more prominent than I was. Uh, there's nothing worse than hearing, all right, you got to sprint for a minute, then a one-minute break, then sprint for a minute on the treadmill, then one-minute break. Oh, to get back to those halcyon days of your 2007. It is 123 at Edmonton. We'll take a quick timeout. That was Joe Haggerty. We'll get to some of your texts when we return on Oilers Now. Collective Soul. You see the you you ended up watching Trainwreck, right? About the '99. What's that? Oh, yeah. yeah. When uh, Rob Zombie went out there and talked about, there's no drug in the world that can give you the rush when you have a crowd going like crazy like that. It's it's incredible, man. It was pretty wild. It is 125 in Edmonton. Yes, uh, Woodstock '99 wrapping up on this date. Um, 
owns that 24 years ago today. Great news from our friends at Brent Ridge Ford. They've just received the largest allocation of trucks and SUVs they've had in years. Most of these units are scheduled to be built in August for fall delivery with discounts as high as $8,000 on F-150s. Now is the time to purchase your new truck. If you want to be treated fairly at a every level of vehicle ownership, reach out to Rich, Johnny, and Uncle Milt, 780-352-6048. Brent Ridge Ford is your Ford Truck Authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. All right, uh, yeah, it was, it's interesting with Patrice Bergeron because he's pretty much revered wherever he goes. Uh, James from Vancouver says, Bob, I was working at Rogers Arena when Team Canada won the gold in 2010, and I was down by the media room, and Patrice came around the corner in all of his gear and asked me where the media room was. I happened to have my camera with me and asked him for a picture with the gold medal around his neck. Truly a classy guy, no question about that. Mark in St. Albert says, Bob, maybe uh, you were body by Bennett back in the day, and now you're body by Pillsbury Doughboy. That's that's a bit. Are, are you now? I, I just want to make sure. Are are fat white guys the one group you can actually pick on in today's society? Because I don't think there's any other uh, group that you can make fun of. Uh, anyways, I resemble that remark. Thank you very much. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Bob, where would Patrice Bergeron rank all time in terms of Bruins players? Second, third, obviously Bobby Orr would be number one. Uh, Johnny Busick would have to be up there. Esposito. Phil Esposito would be up there. Bergeron. Yeah, he's he's probably in the top three. I mean, Esposito started in Chicago, went to Boston, finished with the Rangers. Did Johnny Busick play all of his career in Boston? I mean, he played a long time. Scored 50 goals in 70-71. I think he was 36 or 37 uh, that year. For some reason, I thought uh, that Busick... Let's just go. Started started in Detroit Detroit, for two years and then played the rest in Boston. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21 seasons with the Bruins. And had 556, 545 goals with Boston. Because he scored 11 in his first two years with Detroit. And in 72, or sorry, in 70-71, he scored uh, 51 goals. And Busick would have been at that time 35 years of age. So he still played until he was 42 years. He's got to be number two behind Bobby Orr, don't you think, Busick? I mean, I know Esposito set the scoring records, but he had nowhere near the length of career. We missed anybody for Bob? I mean, you know who would know? Randy Kilburn's coming up. He's a huge. Him and Shea Gannon, we got two Boston Bruins fans in our building. Uh, off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. You want to take a shot at uh, the pronunciation of our, our next guest coming up, Brendan? <laughs> Dom Lucician. Lucician. There we go. Dom Lucician. From The Athletic. From The Athletic. Up next after a global news weather traffic update with Randy.